Joining us now, I've got uh, Nathan Gray from the Tars and the Wallabies. Mate, how are you? Yeah, excellent, guys. Mate, good to have you back on the podcast. It's 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 been a little while. Um, and uh, look, first of all, let's start off with uh, the last weekend's match, uh, Reds. Uh, how do you feel about it uh, after all, mate? Yeah, look, we're very happy with the start of the season. You know, obviously that that first game is always a, always a tough one. You know, the guys are. They're used to bashing each other up for three months, so it's good to uh, to put the, the tackle shields in another coloured jersey and get stuck in. So there's lots of pleasing things that we took out of it and, and definitely a lot to work on and build into the season. And what better opportunity to test ourselves than uh, you know, against the Bumbies who started the season in a very strong fashion. Yeah, mate. Well, look, look we'll, get that. we'll get into that in a minute because I think everyone's salivating over that clash. A lot of people are saying that like on the weekend, it was a fantastic first 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, I was at the ground and I was kind of sat behind where the Reds were and I thought I was going to be seeing them lining up underneath those posts many times, many more times, I should say. A lot of people are saying it kind of felt like you guys kind of, um, you know, kind of, I don't want to say drifted off, but didn't manage to keep that intensity going past that. Did, it, did you guys see it the same way or did something change in the match? No, I... Yeah, definitely, you know, when you score, when you score 20-odd points in that first, in the first sort of stanza... You know, you're very, you're very positive. You're playing, a, you're playing a good style of footy, and um, you know, to the Reds' credit, you know, they they sort of muscled up a little bit in that area and put us under a little bit more pressure. But you know, we sort of, we sort of let ourselves down a little bit around our execution and making sure that we were, uh, we were able to consistently build pressure on the Reds, and and that's something that we we certainly addressed at our in our review of the game, and and the players are very much aware of that. So that's a real positive that they understood that and. And we certainly know how to how to rectify that in terms of executing our plays more accurately and and continuing to to put an opposition under pressure because you know this competition is a tough one. You can't have long periods of unsustained pressure and expect to stay in games. So we've certainly learned um, learned a lesson from that first hit out. And so, what just getting into a little bit more detail, what did you feel it was that when Australia was it? You know, was it around the set piece where you guys weren't getting your hands on the ball? I mean, I thought throughout, I thought the defence was was really strong. I mean, you guys uh, seemed to do really well as far as you know, marching and backwards. Uh, was it just you couldn't get your hands on the ball, or what did you guys kind of pinpoint it at? We certainly we certainly created lots of opportunities with our shape, but mm. I, but I think our, our execution just let us down a little bit in terms of our handling and. And sometimes our option taking, you know, if, if if you're taking wrong decisions, then, you know, you're isolated at breakdowns and all teams have are good enough to, to turn you over in those circumstances if you're not up to scratch. So, right. you know, our attacking our attacking breakdown was something that needs to certainly improve and also just our our ability to, to maintain pressure with the ball in hand. All right, good one. Um, Matt, now, mate, one thing that must have really... Uh uh, pleased you, especially you know looking after defence. Um, Kurtley Beal, what a tackle! How, how did you feel about it? Oh mate, it was awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I think most impressed was you know where Kurtley came from to make that tackle. He's actually he actually tracked about 55 metres cross field to put himself in a position to make that, and then and then threw everything into it. And you know, it's a real a real good indicator of not only Kurtley but also the Waratahs. You know, we want to be a team that works very hard and. And worked hard for each other, and, and you know that was displayed by Curley in that instance. And then back to his feet, onto the ball, and then earning the turnover. So um, a really good, a really good indicator of, of what the Waratahs want to be about. And I tell you, also Fangsy. I mean, um, he was there as well, right? He was right over the top of the ball, and then he was the guy who kind of chased that that kick through as well. He's he's clearly not out of shape. Uh, didn't eat too many Christmas puddings. <laughs> no, mate. He's uh, he's a he's a great individual. He he doesn't quit, and that's something that um, you know again is a real strong part of Nick's game, mm. and something that you know we're uh, at the Waratahs, you know we want that to be infectious, and we don't see that as as something special from Nick. That's uh, that's his standard. So 
it's up to everyone else to learn from that and, and try to lift their performance to his standards. Mm. Now, mate, the back line, I guess, is largely, um, you know, largely together from last year. There's, there's maybe a little bit more swapping in and out around the forwards. How, how does that kind of play, especially in defensive patterns for you guys? Is it something like, you, you know, everyone's still getting together on or do you feel like they've managed to pick it up really quickly? Is, is it a work in progress? Oh, it's, it's always a work in progress. You mm. want to have you want to have a good system in place that, that people are comfortable in. But you know, it, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you can have the you can have the best defensive system in the world, but if you're not making your one on one tackles, it's useless. So, mm. you know, the foundation of any system is is very good, effective one on one tackling, and and that's something that you know we were pleased with um, on the weekend. But we certainly need to improve that and continue to build in getting better and better in that area. Okay, mate. So, look, looking ahead to next weekend, I mean, geez, the Brumbies putting, you know, 50-odd points uh, on, I think, last year's champions, wasn't it? I mean, um, what stood out in their game from your perspective? Uh, They're very efficient, you know. They're very good at the breakdown. Um, You know, they're, they're turning the ball over, turning the ball over a lot and didn't allow the Hurricanes to get, to build any momentum, you know. And if... If you can do that, then you know your counter your counter attacking is very strong, and they're able to score points, you know, at will. So, you know, they're looking very dangerous at uh, the early part of the year. Yeah, and I mean, they look like they've still got that uh, driving mall going. I mean, the, you guys showed that on the weekend as well. Are you surprised how that's getting through? I mean, I thought uh, you know refs were going to be kind of clamping down on that. Have people just tightened up their technique? Um, oh, look, they've they've shifted the laws around that, but. You know, like any good thing in rugby, any anything done really well and executed, you know, very well is going to be dangerous. And you know, the Brumbies utilised that rolling mall a lot last year, and you know, they've they've done it again this year. And you know, other teams are looking to use that as a weapon. So, you know, they also use the the setup to drive, but then they play that nice little trick play around the front to to get Stephen Moore in space and to put David Pocock over. So. You know, you can see their game is, is not, not, they're not a one-trick pony. They've got that as, as one of their weapons and having the ability to change that and, um, and hurt you other places is, is the sign of a good sign that's growing in confidence. Yeah. Now, mate, we had a question through from one of the listeners um, on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, which is where we put the podcast, and he's just um, asking about, you know, when Bernard Foley comes back um, to 10, yep. maybe in a couple of weeks' time, and obviously you've got KB then, who'd be very hard to leave out of the out of the team. Does that mean we might be looking at uh, you know Izzy in in the centres? Is there sort of discussion about that? I know it seems that he's always been signalling about maybe moving there for a couple of years now. Um, is there discussion about that? Oh look, yeah, there is definitely. Um, you know, Israel is someone who you want to get the ball in that bloke's hands often. Um, so if that if that's coming into the line at 15, or if it's up in that front line at 13, um, you know we'll we'll be looking to do that. Whether we're using him in, on phase play or off set piece, we'll be trying to get the ball in in Israel's hands as often as possible. And you know that's um, we make make no no secrets about that. You know fitting fitting all those guys with um, you know that quality and attacking flair into the back line. It's a matter of you know just getting them out there and. You know, it doesn't really matter what number they've got on their back, but uh, no doubt throughout the year you're going to see Israel up in that front line. Okay. Well, that's going to be interesting to, to watch, mate. Um, and look, just moving on from, uh, the, you know, obviously the period of uh, sort of check has ended there at the Tars and you you guys are kind of uh, re-looking at, at what you're looking to do. What should we look out for that might be slightly different this year? And um, I don't know if there's any sort of pointers that we might have seen in the first game or not? I mean, sh- sh- do you think we're going to notice much different? Oh, look, there's a, there's a lot of things that we want to maintain from the, from the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, you need to evolve your game. You need to change your shape ever so slightly, both in attack and defence. And, and we're doing that at the Waratahs where, you know, you've got to continuously evolve and teams look at you. So, you know, I think defensively, you know, we want to maintain that really aggressive mindset, but also, you know, mix it up with a few different things around what we're doing with our line speed and, and what we're doing with positioning and, and different personnel in different parts of the field. Mm-hmm. And then on the attacking side of the ball, you know, looking at what we're doing in terms of our attacking shape, how we're using our runners and how we're, we're 
um, interjecting our our ball runners into the line are things that you know you're always working on and trying to improve. So there's going to be there's definitely going to be some changes that uh, you know people are going to notice, which is which is great. Okay, I mean, does that mean I mean, and I kind of I got the Hurricanes mixed up with the Highlanders obviously earlier, um, but you know with the uh, I guess it was that. Um, I think there was that semi, wasn't it, against the the, the Highlanders uh, last year, which was a bit p- painful. And I think Czech talked about maybe being a bit outplayed there um, when they played a very very tactical game against the Waratahs. Um, is it still going to be sort of you know full out attack? Are you guys looking maybe at a little bit more field position, you know, with a little bit more strategic kicking, or is it kind of sticking to where you guys are really comfortable, which is which is ball in hand? Oh. You need you need to have that mix, and there's no doubt. You know the Highlanders, you know, played a really effective kicking game against us last year, and we weren't quite able to handle that. Um, so you know you're mad if you don't look to change. Not so much change. I think evolves the best word to to look at how you can you know you can handle situations like that, and also look to use a kicking game to build pressure and relieve pressure. Mm. So. You know, we've we've uh, we've executed that already in our trials. Um, you can see we're sort of using those tactics, and you know, it's it's horses for courses. You want to make sure you need to be able to perform under any circumstances, and given a multiple multiple situations, being able to have the right game plan and adapt on the run. So it's something that we're constantly trying to uh, to evolve. Good one, mate. Well, look, before I let you go, I just wanted to have a take you back to the World Cup. First of all, just congratulations to you and all the guys for getting as far as you did in the manner that you did it. Um, if I were to guess that those 10 minutes against Wales might have been one of your proudest moments, would I be right? Or was there something that that kind of stood out more for you? I'm very, very proud. You know, I think the whole tournament, very proud just as an Australian, you know, Wallaby supporter, which I am um, at heart. But then, you know, having a having an intricate insight and, and being able to be a part of it was, even more, you know, special seeing seeing what the players did on the field, and you know, I I constantly keep telling people, yeah, I'm 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 one of the one of the coaches in the team, but I certainly didn't make one tackle that night, and I was glad I wasn't out there myself. <laughs> but you know, all the all the plaudits need to go to the players, and they they really they really dug in and just and just showed, you know, what the Wallabies want to be about, um, which is you know, performing for each other. You know, dealing with adversity and and looking to get the job done, no excuses. And you know, yeah, certainly that game and a number of the games displayed that. And that's that's probably you know the proudest moment for me was you know the collective of the whole tournament and and what we want to try and achieve for you know Wallaby supporters and and people looking to uh, to be future Wallabies, young kids and and all supporters. So that was the biggest buzz. But mate, just just focusing on that Welsh ten minutes for just a second. Can you train for that? I mean, do you guys talk about situations like that if you're going to be, you know, geez, one man down? I don't know if you talk about being two men down, or is it just something that it's there if you've been doing the right things week in, week out? I mean, how well prepared yep. can you be for that? Oh, you, you certainly do. You do scenario preps on uh, on sin binning. Probably mm. not. Probably not two guys in the bin. Um, it's just a matter of of one. You know, getting as much information out to the guys as as quickly as you can in terms of what you want to do defensively, but also trusting the players on the field to to find a solution. You know, I I lent I lent very heavily on on guys like Adam Ashley Cooper and Matt Giddo and Scott Fardy. You know, throughout throughout that game in terms of getting information out to them and, and trusting them to to deal with those situations and. You know, it, it doesn't take a lot of effort to get up off the ground and get in a defensive line, and sometimes that's three quarters of the battle, which the guys delivered in spades. Oh, good one. Now, mate, I um, I was I was in Waratahs HQ just before Christmas, and I had a bit of a chat with Daryl Gibson, and he said that you guys had had a chat about that final, um, where the, you know where the All Blacks came out, and it was a pretty impressive uh, performance from them. It looked like they'd done a hell of a lot of homework. I think you guys had obviously stung them in Sydney. Um, earlier in the year, um, and that they pulled a few little tricks out of the bag. Um, I'm, I'm led to believe. What, what sort of stuff did they get up to? I mean, what, what was the homework they'd done? What did they put into action on the field that you can tell us about? Oh, well, I, mean, I think they, uh, yeah, they, they they played a very effective game. They looked to probably play away from away from David Pocock a little bit, mm. um, and continually attack away from him. 
which uh, which they did very well. They were really they were really aggressive at the breakdown, and you know were very effective at when uh, when they're cleaning our players out, landing on top of them and 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 holding them out of the out of that tackle situation at the breakdown. So, but again, it's you know nothing that we hadn't seen before. Um, but you know they just executed it really well, um, and they were able to squeeze us and and get the win. But. Uh, it still hurts talking about it just quietly. <laughs> Mate, yeah, it, uh, it hurts us all. But um, anyway, it was a great effort throughout the World Cup. I think um, just as proud as you are, I think um, we all are as well. Um, all right, mate. Well, look, really appreciate your time tonight um, while, while you're driving home. Uh, it was great to see you guys uh, in action on, on the weekend. Uh, maybe we'll catch up with you uh, later on in the season. Yeah, for sure. No, looking forward to it and... Uh... I suppose to all the listeners, you know, with my with my Wallabies hat on, you know, very very proud and very honoured to to be able to coach and be a part of the coaching team and and play in a way that you guys can be proud of. And, and then with my Waratahs hat, you know, a diehard Waratahs supporter who's you know really excited about the the Super Super Rugby competition this year and and wanting the Waratahs to win the damn thing. <laughs> Good on you, mate. All right, we'll speak to you later. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye. Great to talk to Nathan again there, friend of the podcast. Um, some really good insight. Uh, but look, let's look back to last weekend now, have a bit of a chat about what happened and what happens, what's going on uh, for uh, next weekend. I've got uh, Robert Mitchell, otherwise known as Bobus, joining me. Mate, how are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good after the last weekend. Yeah, well, good to have you uh, back on the podcast now. You're racking them up. Yeah. Um, I've also got Sully. Mate, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you going? Very, very, very well indeed. And... I'm just in awe of how much rugby you managed to watch on the weekend. How many matches was it all together? Uh, I've watched seven. Seven. <laughs> and I've got two recorded, so I've got two to go. Uh, what's holding you up, mate? <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'm in awe that you're still married. Um, look, also on this podcast, uh, for the second week running, we've got a, uh, a producer. This weekend, it's Oliver. Mate, can you hear me back there in the booth? No, the booth walls are thick. See, there you go. But he's back. so just so you know, he's back there. He's monitoring, checking levels, doing uh, doing the work, doing the rest. Um, we did have some uh, people throwing some uh, sort of ironic comments about us having our first podcast with a producer and then having a levels problem to start with. But hey, it wouldn't be the Green and Gold Rugby podcast if everything was um, everything was perfect. Um, but look, let's let's get going. Let's talk about. Uh, the matches from last weekend. Look, there was the Blues Highlanders to start off with, if you're interested in that stuff across the Dutch. Um, but the thing that was really, really impressive, and I think that blew everybody's mind, was the Brumbies and the Hurricanes. Hurricanes, really strong outfit from last year. I think everyone was expecting them probably to win the final. And it turns out the Brumbies ran out winners 52 to 10. This was an absolute slaughter. Uh, Robert, I know you're pretty excited by it, about it, mate. What, uh, what did you think? Um, seven tries to one, Brumbies, Hurricanes, first round of the season. It just brings me back to 2004 when we beat the Blues in the first round. Very similar teams, very attacking New Zealander teams, and the Brumbies just showed they could do better. Yeah, I mean, I know you think they're a shoe in this year now, that that, that sort of uh, historical... It's a foregone happened. conclusion. <laughs> what, did, what impressed you the most about the Brumbies you know, in, in, in this setup, And obviously... It, yeah, seven tries. Was it? Was it? Was it the attack? It was. It was the attack in terms of how many areas they were going forward. If you look at the spread of tries, I mean, you got Kuradrani, thirteen, Cabelli, nine, Pocock, seven, Fardy, six, Moore, two, Manray, two, Carter, four. It's spread amongst the fifteen. Mm. They're not just spinning it wide and hoping for the best. And then you've got seven from seven conversions, and some of them from the corner. Yeah. I mean, I must admit, I, I didn't walk away from that thinking. Some people have talked about sort of, uh, oh, you know, uh, they're back this year. It's scintillating attack. I didn't feel like that. I felt it was really, really efficient. You know, we yeah. saw probably one of the best driving malls I've seen for a long time, actually, because it was really well formed and it just absolutely marched. Um, it must have gone, what was it, 30, 40 metres? Yeah, in the lead up to one of the tries, they brought the wall down at the 50 metre line and took it into the 15 metre line. So, yeah, 
35, 40 meter mall down the field. Yeah, no, it was that was really good. And I think we just heard there uh, Nathan Gray as well just talking about how efficient they were at the Brumbies were at the breakdown. It was just really, really polished, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it wasn't particularly polished in terms of what they were getting from the interpretation, and they did pretty well not to get a yellow card yeah. on a few occasions. But um, I think that was around. I think that was largely around the release, wasn't it? I think that uh, was a, around the the third man in not releasing the tackler. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd have two tacklers and then Pocock in over the top. And what the referee was looking for is obviously clear daylight between the three people and Pocock, mm-hmm. rather than just Pocock standing over the top and then having rights to the ball. Yeah. Which, if he's not going to get away with, then it's going to make him less effective. But, but if everyone's not going to get away with it, it's fair. So, okay. Sully, uh, this was the first of what the, the, the seven games you watched or whatever. Um, what do you remember of it, mate? Um, again, just efficiency, like the, the that uh, move off the lineout with Moore and uh, Pocock scoring was brilliant. Uh, the scrum was good. The breakdown was. good. Good. They didn't carry a single person in that team. Everybody fired. Everybody did their job. The wings looked great. The centers looked great. Christian Lee Leofano at uh, ten, but he just like he'd been never left the position. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think everyone was looking forward to seeing Kubeli, and I didn't think he disappointed. Uh, that little try he took, um, which I think was was it off a scrum that had kind of skewed, um, and uh, but you know. He yeah he just took it absolutely perfectly. Um, so yeah, I think he showed his class, didn't he? Oh yes, definitely. He's he's a fantastic player. Mm. I, I must admit, I hadn't. Oh, sorry, buddy. Sorry, with Cabelli, I did notice one thing where there was an offside player on the wrong side of the ruck, and a lot of Aussie halfbacks would have just pinged the ball straight into them and got penalty. Mm. And Cabelli's contorted his body to be able to throw the ball around the back of the player that's offside in order to keep the quick ball going. And I thought that that was very, very clever and very, very good. Very, very positive. It's definitely the more classy move. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Brumbies, uh, I've got to love what kind of came out of that match. There's not too much that you'd walk away with being upset with. Uh, Like you said, Robert, maybe it's just that little uh, interpretations at the breakdown thing, because uh, obviously with the sort of fetches and the power that they've got at the breakdown, they're going to be very, very keen to get that right. So that's probably about the only thing you can think of that they were really going to have to work on. Um, I think, this, if I remember right, the scrum was also really strong. Um, it was a very, very good uh, all-round performance uh, for them and, and really just made the Hurricanes look like they were nowhere. Um, I mean, I don't want to give the Hurricanes too many excuses. I don't know how many, can't quite remember how many players they, they've lost in the off-season. Um, I'm sure there's some big names in there, but uh, the Brumbies really made them look like they were nowhere. Uh, so anyway, uh, great match from them, and they must be happy. Um, then in between, there was the Cheetahs and the Jaguars. So probably worth just mentioning this one, because obviously, you know, we first uh, hit out for the new Argentinian team. They actually got away with a thriller there, 34-33. Uh, now, Sully, considering you've watched, you watched Sped Everyone, you saw this one as well. Give, give us the snapshot, mate. How did they go? Uh, they, they started out very slowly. They didn't look... I'm talking about the Jaguars. Mm. Uh, they didn't look fantastic, but they built into it. But they had a, They had those three big uh, brain snaps. Uh, they had two, guy, two guys go to the bin completely fairly. And then they had... Um, I don't know his name big second row, I think, came in uh, after the cheetah scored and came in with his knees into the into the man's ribs. And he really should have went in the sim bin as well. But I think, uh, is it Andrew Lees, the ref? Right. Yeah, uh, just felt sorry for him and thought, I can't have 12 people running around. So, <laughs> But he, he since got a, a, a one-week suspension from that afterwards. So. All right, so it definitely was worth a sighting. Yeah. Um, so all right. So at one stage they were down to thirteen, and let, yet still managed to come back and and, and clinch it. So that, yeah, they were they were down uh, about twenty to three mm-hmm. at halftime, and they've come back and and yeah, got their got their shit together and and finished off strongly. That's impressive. And are they looking like the Argentinian team in the World Cup? Is it the same sort of stuff? Uh in the second half, yes, it was it was a great movement, great support. Uh, Passing in traffic, hitting your man. Yeah, it was great. 
Okay. Yeah, because I mean, that, they were just they stood out in the World Cup for the the way that they've managed to develop as a team. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was them, and then we had the uh, Sunwolves. They had their first hit out um, against the Lions. They ended up going down though, twenty six thirteen. Robert, did you see some highlights of this? Did you see much of what the Sunwolves were doing? I saw the highlights. Mm-hmm. I can't speak about much of the game, and I know they got beaten, but but not by as badly as everyone was expecting. Yeah. And um, the ex-Rebels player got over, so that was good. Shadari, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but other than that, like, they did they did a lot better than what people were expecting, and let's hope that they can keep improving. Yeah. I mean, Sully, again, you, you probably saw more of, the, saw, saw more of this. Um, what was the vibe from the Sunwolves? Um, they looked like a team that had only been trained together for three weeks, and um, they're obviously high-class players across the field, but they haven't packed that many scrums. They haven't done that many line-outs. So there's, there's no set moves. So their scrum got shunted. Uh, the line-out went all right. Yep. But, yeah, there was just, just not that connection between the players that guys that have had a years together and a good off-season would have, you know. Okay. Uh, Ed Quirk looked great, if we want to talk about ex-Queenslanders. <laughs> <laughs> he, is he playing for the Sunwolves? Yes, he's playing for the Sunwolves, yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh, right, okay. Jeez, he must stand out with that hair. Yeah, yeah, he's got a big red beard at the moment too. Oh, so. my God, okay. <laughs> well, thank God he's not on these shores anymore. You can't miss him. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right, first hit out for them. And obviously we can't not mention their mascot. Um, if, if you haven't seen it, have a look at our Facebook page. Uh, it'll be down there a, a few posts just before the weekend. Uh, and it is the most horrific-looking mascot I think I've ever seen. His name is Pinging, and it's a sort of a wolf's head that's got the most, out, you know, bizarre eyes. Um, you've seen it, Robert. Did you manage to sleep that night? It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy shit, isn't it? It's just the crack fox from the Mighty <laughs> Boosh. If anyone hasn't seen the crack fox on the Mighty Boosh, YouTube that and then have a look at Pinging because. <laughs> That thing's going to give you nightmares with its squishy boots and everything like that. <laughs> it was the fact that its name was Pinging as well. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to be Pinging to pick that. <laughs> yeah. You can tell by its eyes. Right. Okay. So then um, in between, we're not going to talk about this, uh, the Chiefs and the Crusaders. Chiefs came out on that one uh, winning 27-21. Uh, but then uh, we had... Moved on to the uh, Waratahs and the Reds. So um, I managed to get to this one, but before I wade in, Sully, mate, have you managed to staunch the tears yet? <laughs> uh, how, how did you see the match? Um, there's only two problems with the uh, Reds at the moment. So it's uh, attack and defence. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's no, no, it pretty much went the way of the trial form. Um, the Reds had trouble... So this is their, basically their third game for the years. They've had trouble all year scoring points. And um, they've leaked at least 30 points in each game. So, yes, it's pretty much on par with what we've been seeing so far. Mm. So, yeah, they've got problems. They, they've got problems everywhere. And were there any glimmers, like were there any individual performances maybe that you, you like the look of? Oh, Greg Holmes is always awesome. Mm. Um and again, like I think the Reds came away with with close to sixty percent possession, I think, and mm. and and won the territory battle, and um, but yeah, I think a lot of the and they also won the distance, like they they ran more yards than the Waratahs, mm. but I think a lot of the yards they run is from from behind the gain line. Mm. The scrum was dominant, uh, which I think is could be a real problem for the Waratahs this year. Their lineout was. I mean, they won their ball. It wasn't wasn't a weapon, but they the Reds won their line out. But just um, there's nothing to fear, I think, for other teams there at the moment. Mm. Attack. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, well, what you just described there, you know, Richard Graham's report, right? So we pretty much won the game except for the scoreline. Um, they had. I remember. <laughs> I remember another coach who used to claim that all the time. <laughs> he used to be for the Waratahs. What was his name? <laughs> so, well, exactly. So, uh, look, uh, I, the first 20 minutes, I thought uh, the Tars were going to, you know, I thought this was going to be, this could have turned into a cricket stalk, score because the, the Tars looked to be really on fire. Um, 
the, the, the Tars attacking shape was really, really good, I thought. Um, it was just, they were just marching downfield. But then the, the Reds, you know, around set piece especially, I think, you mentioned the, the possession. Uh, the Reds really managed to stick an oar into it. And I think, uh, first of all, at the line out, and then in the latter parts of the match at the scrum, you know, really managed to disrupt that. And some people talk about momentum and things, you know, kind of disappearing from the Tars. But I just think, you know, when you haven't got the ball, you can have a great attacking shape. Um, but if you haven't got the ball, you, you know, you're not going to be going far. And I think that's just what happened to the Tars as that match went on. Um, and I tend to agree with you that I, you know, I don't know how much of that is just stuff that gets fixed. I mean, you know, it's it's nothing new to Tatafi Plot now having troubles with lineouts. Um what is maybe a little bit new is, you know, now that Sakopi Kapu's gone, you know, what's going to happen with that tight head you know, part side of the scrum? Because um, that seemed to be a problem all night, and it got and it got worse um, when the reserves came on. So, look, if alarm bells aren't ringing for Cam Blades, I think they should be because I think they've just the Tars have just shown everybody where you need to attack them, and that's going to be around source of ball. Um, I thought the Tars, I thought they were also very good in defence. Um, first up tackles looked really strong. Uh, the line speed was really strong. They seemed to be well organised. I think that you probably need to throw that in with the Reds because I, while the Reds seem very lateral in attack, I don't know, you know, it's hard to know which, what's chicken and egg. I think the Tars didn't make it easy for them, but then I think that the, 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 the Reds did make it easy for the Tars. So um, those sort of two things were kind of playing off each other. Um, you know, all in all, I think. The Tars would have thought, yeah, there's some things we definitely need to work on there, but they'd probably be happy with, you know, if you said to them they can have 30 to 10 win, I think they definitely would have taken it. Um, Robert, who, who kind of stood out to you as far as sort of players? Did you, did you pick anyone maybe, you know? Uh, I thought Hooper was pretty good, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, Beer looked really good. Um, Carmichael Hunt, I thought, looked like he'd turned a corner and was, is, is looking like he's trending upwards in terms mm-hmm. of his development. Um, in the forwards, I thought the obviously the scrum for the Waratahs didn't look very good at all. But I, like I'm, I'm just going off um, a few maybe 20 minutes of the highlights and not not as much of the game as as Sully and yourself. Mm, okay. Um, so look, you know th- that was the that was the the Reds Tars, and I think most people would sort of say, look, you know, if the Tars take that to the Brumbies next weekend, um, they could be in trouble. Um, I think, you know, just listening to Nathan Gray in our you know, interview early on, reading between the lines, I think he might be thinking the same. So I think he knows that they need to step up quite a long way um, if they're going to uh, bother the Brumbies next weekend. Um, I, don't, I don't think you should worry too much. I mean, they... <clears throat> The Tars seem to start at a million miles an hour, and you just can't keep the pace. I mean, that defensive line was sprinting up, and I don't think mm. you can maintain that for 80 minutes. And they did; they managed that for about 20, and it slowed down a bit. But, I mean, if you can blow people off the park in 20 minutes, you've you got to, you know, how much were they up by in 20 minutes in? I can't remember. I watched too much rugby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, look, I, I can probably dig that out in a, in a, in a sec, but now you're right. That, I think it was about twenty odd points. I think they'd done within about twenty minutes. I could be wrong, but yeah, it was pretty substantial, um, which is why I think we all thought it was going to turn into some sort of a cricket score. I mean, you're right. There's a bit of a law of averaging. It's very difficult against decent opposition that you know to say that you're going to be able to keep that going the whole time. Um, but I think what you probably would have expected is for the Tars to kind of have another patch, probably in the second half. Um, especially at the back end. I think that's what the Tars were doing so well in their championship year, is in that last 20 minutes they were putting on points. Um, and, and obviously they they weren't doing it to, to this extent um, in this match. Um, well, the, the Reds should be fitter this year, so maybe that has something to do with it as well. Mm, okay. Right, well, anyway, so that was the, that was the Reds and the Tars. Um, then we had the Rebels and the Force, uh, you know, later on that night. So I sat down, I sat down and watched this. Um, I've got to say, you know, it seems to be... I know that the Force have talked about that they're going to be more attacking this year, uh, but, I don't know, it didn't look that much better to me. It seemed to be the whole idea is maybe to go wide, wide a bit more, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make for great um, attacking play. Um, the Rebels had some injury problems that were just a disaster. Robert, do you know the curse of the 10 that they had? Uh, the curse of the ten. So I'm gonna say that Debrasini had an illness coming into game day, mm-hmm. and then he ruled himself out with one to two hours 
kickoff. And then Harris was warming up and pulled, it was either a calf or a hamstring. And he thought to himself, well, I can't throw anyone into this cauldron. And then 30 minutes into the game, couldn't keep going. And um, Hodge, Hodge comes in after being named as well and bench to 15, comes in to make his debut in 10, scores all the um, Rebels points and wins the game. Yeah, well, it was it was quite amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, for his day, it's a, it's a, it's a curse and then a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> In, indeed. Well, I mean, but I mean, we're going to see how this comes through because I don't know what this how this impacts um, the rebels going forward for for uh, next weekend. I mean, um, it was interesting. Like, so this is uh, Sean McMahon's first hit out as captain. I'm getting through from our producer in in, in the back room. I've got to say. Um, he did pretty well if that was the case because I think you know when you lose two tens um, to be able to keep the whole thing on track and, and, and get them home to a victory is is, is pretty good. Um, having said that, as a game, oh, it was it was a tough one, um, a tough one to watch. Uh, you know, it ended up with the rebels uh, uh, sort of catching it. It was fairly close throughout. The rebels took it twenty five nineteen. Um, I think they scored by far uh, the bulk of the tries in, in, the, in the match. I think it might have been like three tries to one um, against the force. But it, you know, just was it was a game that wasn't easy on the eye. There was lots of mistakes. Uh, the weather was pretty shocking. I think it was like thirty degrees or something, and everyone, there was sweat on the ball, and it was it, it, it was pretty ordinary handling. Um, it's got to be said. Uh, the the guy that did stand out for me for the Rebels was Tamadi Ellison. Um, you know, I thought he looked uh, really good. Actually, he made a couple of telling breaks, um, and then actually, I think he gave the sky the try scoring pass twice um, when he, you know, uh, with one man left in both cases. Um, he seemed to be the one guy who could kind of zip through and break and break some break the tackles. Uh, but anyway, so it wasn't a great game to watch. Um, I don't know if you guys watched. Uh, Sully, did you manage to get all of this one? Yeah, yeah, I watched this one. What was your yeah. take? What did it look any better to you? No, no, it looks scrappy. There was a lot of there's a lot of line breaks, and I, I think a few guys should have uh, taken the tackle and set up and to go again. Instead, they tried to push a pass, probably embracing that uh, you know um, running rugby idea a bit too much. Mm. Um, Hodge stood out. Uh, Hale at Petty stood out. For me, uh, Coleman just looked like a huge unit. I don't know how well he played. I just remember seeing, geez, he's a big guy. Mm. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with it. It was scrappy, very scrappy. I've heard that the Mike, I heard somewhere that Mike Harris might be out for 12 weeks. Jeez. He may have, may have torn the um, hamstring off the bone or something. I'm not sure about that one. Oh. Um, and I could be wrong, but it was off our forum, so it's probably wrong. <laughs> sometimes um, sometimes you get the good oil in there only sometimes yeah uh, okay um, you're going to mention oh that's right uh, so yeah talking about Michael Foley have you guys seen him recently with the beard that he's rocking um, it's uh, it's it's pretty out there I've got to say that he's I'm, I'm thinking he'd probably be struggling to get through some airport security these days <laughs> um, with uh, with the screening because uh, yeah wow it looks like he hasn't seen a razor for a while um, and I'm not really quite sure what the style is. I don't know if he's going for hipster, um, hipster slash imam, because that's kind of what it's looking like at the moment. But uh, anyway, um, maybe it's either he, maybe it's timeless fashion, or um, maybe he's lost the plot. I'm not completely sure. Um, I, I think it looks a bit better. He stopped dyeing it, so I reckon that looks a bit better. <laughs> uh, he's, got, he's got that white. Are you saying that white streak isn't? That's not dye. You think that's natural? Oh, a couple of weeks ago, it was jet black, so unless he's gone grey very quickly. <laughs> okay. Um, so, look, that was the end of the Aussie games. The only ones we had left uh, were then the South African Conference. The Sharks demolished the Kings 43-8. I suspect we're going to see a lot of big scores against the Kings. I think that's a, uh, a super team in a lot of... in, in strife. Um, and then the Stormers... Uh, put a big score on the Bulls, 33-9 um, as well. So I must admit, I haven't seen a skerrick of either of those two. Um, so I, I can't even tell you if there's anything um, worth watching in there. It's, it's, there's, there's just too many games that now. You've got no hope of, of watching everything, have you? Unless, unless it's you, Sally. Are you going to try and keep this going throughout the season, mate? Are you going to try and watch every game? 
I haven't watched those last two, but they're on my IQ. So um, it's like you said, Saturday was complete, um, completely gone because I had the recording of um, the uh, Jaguars match. Mm. Uh, so I got up and watched that, and then in the after through the, I went through to basically to the end of the force game. That was the whole day basically gone, except for a couple of hours in the middle. <laughs> when you yeah. had to kind of, you know, kind of wash and do all your ablutions, uh, <laughs> feed yourself quickly <laughs> yes. so you could get back. Um, all righty, so that's last weekend. Uh, why don't we just race through what, we've, what we're look, we can look forward to this weekend? I don't think we'll worry too much about predictions. It's still pretty early in the whole season to be, to be doing that. Although if you want predictions, uh, I, I believe Rugby Reg tops the tipping round. Um, which inc- which included tipping the Reds to have twenty points put on them. So anyway, you can question his loyalty there, Sally. Um, oh, no, no, I would have been right beside him because said that the the, the uh, score on the Reds match is right to what the average has been this year. So okay, spot so you, on. You only had to follow the trend. Yep. Um, okay, so this weekend, what have we got? On Friday uh, in in the afternoon, we've got uh, the Crusaders and the Blues. And then we've got the Brumbies hosting the Waratahs main event Friday night. Um, looking like it's going to be a cracker. Sully, you were saying earlier on, you think actually this one's not necessarily foregone. You think the Waratahs have got a, got a shot? Oh, yeah. No, they're a good side, mate. Well coached. Um, now, the Waratahs have got a shot, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to pick the Brumbies. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, they can come out of the blocks like they did uh, last Friday night, and they will because they, they've done it a lot. The Brumbies might uh, have trouble keeping up for a while, but having said that, the Brumbies are a very well-drilled side. Yeah. Um, Robert, you, you're tipping the Brumbies on this one, I'm guessing? Yes, certainly. I think the Brumbies are going to scrum, scrum their way to victory this week. Okay, so a tight one you're yeah. looking at. That is a worry for the Waratahs. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be tight because the Waratahs always turn up for the Brumbies. Mm. But I just... the. Um, the Brumbies scrum showed enough and the Waratahs scrum didn't show enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, look, um, the, the next... So who am I going to be tipping there? Look, I've, you, you look at how polished the Brumbies were uh, last weekend. It's, it's hard to think that they're not going to be able to, to wrestle this one. Unfortunately, I think it might, it might be a bit of a dour affair be a bit of a dour affair, but I think it's going to be pretty intense, whichever way you look at it. I think both of these sides are going to be really wanting this one. Um, it's going to be a cracker to watch. That's Friday night. Then Saturday, Saturday Arvo, we've got the Chiefs hosting the Lions, um, uh, followed by the Highlanders against the Hurricanes. So this repeat of last year, um, if I can get that one right, finally, I didn't get it right in my interview um, with Nathan Gray. So that's uh, in the afternoon. And then in the evening, we've got the Reds hosting the Force. Sally, you got any hopes here that this might somehow turn into a good match? A good match? Uh... Or a match worth watching? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're all worth watching, mate. But, um, yeah, this is a toss-up for me, I, I, I guess. Um what can you say? I think our best bet for winning a, a conference game this year is against the Force, but uh, I'm not confident. Okay. Well, the Force, I think, have shown that they know how to, you know, they, they know to handle some of the top top sides. Uh, they definitely know how to handle the Reds. Yeah. Uh, and and, and us a lot of trouble over the years. And the Tars. So, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and then we've got the uh, Rebels who are away to the Bulls. It's at midnight, um, so Saturday night or Sunday morning, whichever way you see it. Uh, Robert, you got any thoughts there? I know you've been watching the, the Rebels. They've got a few injuries then if they're taking away. Yeah, well, I think Deborah Senior will be back because it was just an illness, so he might have just had a cold or something to right. stop his fitness being able to go the full 80 minutes. Um, so if he's back, then Hodge would go back into fullback, and I think they're pretty well covered. But... Um, if the Bulls play like they did in the first round, then the Rebels are a huge chance. And it's, um, I might be wrong, but it probably will be the Rebels' first victory in South Africa. Oh, wow. Okay. If they can do that. Rebels tours of South Africa are always interesting. Um, then we've got two in the morning. If you can stay up for that one, we've got the Cheetahs hosting the Stormers. And then the final match of the round is going to be at 4.20 in the morning, the Sharks hosting the Jaguars, uh, and that's the, that's the end of the round. So, look, that's, that should be a good game. 
Sharks Jaguars. Did you, I mean, yeah. have, have you seen that? You haven't seen the Sharks from last weekend yet, have you? No, no. Okay, I don't know what they even look like this season. No, I'm uh, just going on old form. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got to get, I've got to watch one of these. I've got to watch one of these Jaguars matches to see how they're getting on. Mm. Um, so look, the, the only other thing I was going to bring up, uh, sort of, I guess, in the interesting things to happen basket was, I think, it was over the weekend, um, the news out of France that James O'Connor had been revived or something on a team bus. Um, Either of you guys got a little bit more info about what what actually went down? Uh, Google translated a French um, newspaper article saying that he had um, he couldn't be woken up and he'd had four muscle relaxants and a couple of beers on the tour bus. But um, I don't know. I mean, that's in the newspaper, and he seems to he's come out on Twitter and said he was fine and it was all been overstated and. Right. Yeah. Because someone was saying, uh, I think it was reported that it was like three tramadol. Um, and that's pretty heavy stuff. So, um, yeah, having that with the, and chasing down with a couple of beers could always be interesting. I love Dismal Pillick on the, in the forum. Um, his depiction of Gorgodza <laughs> um, waking him up in a, an unusual manner, um, or reviving him, should we say. But um, anyway, James O'Connor, he's never far away from the headlines. Um, so for a young, fit guy like that, though, it's just a bit of a worry with some of that stuff going on. I hope he's all right. Um, anyway, that's it, really. I think that's... I'm uh, assuming he wouldn't have been taking the, the, the muscle relaxants without the team doctor um, giving him to him, I'm mm. guessing, or someone from the club, but maybe they didn't, didn't say anything about having the beers with it. <laughs> yeah, oh, just that you know, three of them is pretty heavy on. Maybe that talks about some of the injuries he's carrying. Um, yeah. Most of these pros play with these soft uh, muscle, uh, soft tissue injuries all the time. I just, you know, maybe it's something that you lose track of, and before you know it, you've ta- taken a few too many, and it knocks you out. Um, anyway, uh, best of wishes to the guy. Um, hope, hope he's better. Um, well, look, guys, that's pretty much it. Uh, first weekend, first hit out. Um, some exciting stuff there. Um, how are you feeling about the format, Robert? Do you think um, do you think it's working out? Uh, so far, so good. Been the best round of Super Rugby for a while. Since first, best first round, I mean. And you know, all the Australian teams that have um, it's been pretty positive. Pretty positive. Uh, three out of five wins for the Australian teams. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Sally, what about you, mate? Have you is you know. Are you going to be able to keep this going? Are you, you, know, <laughs> are you enjoying this much, or should I be talking to somebody else in your household to get that? <laughs> no, she's watched most of the games with me, the wife, so it's not too bad. But um, no, I'm not going to be able to keep it going. It's just too much, too much rugby to watch every game. Yeah. I think anyway. But uh, the format, I'm a, well. There's not much else you can do, is there? Mm. But uh, the only concern I've got with the whole thing is that one of the South African uh, conferences can be into the semis. Uh, without paying, well, one of them's not paying uh, Kiwi side, and the other one's not paying an Australian side, and they're going to be in the semi-finals. So. Yeah, no, that's a that's a bit of a worry. But look, what the one thing we didn't mention about these new the new rules. Um, I mean, the one that I definitely noticed. Um, I was at the Tars game. I think it was leading up to half time, and uh, the Reds got a few penalties, and we've got that new rule that you know the next kick to touch doesn't necessarily stop the match, right? So. You know, if, if you're given a penalty, you get to kick to touch, even if it's after the siren. And um, that was really interesting, actually, because um, that really prolonged that, that half and definitely put the Tars under a bit more pressure. So I thought that was definitely a good innovation that's happened. Did you guys notice any other, uh, of the other rules coming into play? Robert, did you notice any? I noticed that rule, and I, I think it's the, the, the best rule they've come up with this year. Mm. Um, I really didn't notice the halfback behind the flanker at all on the scrums, like it might have happened, but it just wasn't that wasn't that game changing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I I really didn't notice any of the other rules other than that. Sully probably did. He watched a lot more games than <laughs> I did. What about the mall? What about the mall bit, Sully? Oh, the mall bits looked pretty similar mm. to me, but then again, I've never played in that role and never. I'd never noticed Pokoff getting the ball before the mall had formed or anything like that, or the ball just, he was kind of swimming backwards. It it just never occurred to me until they made that rule. So, well, Yeah, I think that that's the major difference. The 
horse been cleaned up a lot and where, where the, the person can't slide back, which is always a law, just not specifically um, handled like, like it should be. It's like most laws in rugby. You had to be bound to be in a mall. If you're slipping back through the mall carrying the ball, you're not bound. But so they've cleaned it up. Now you have to go back to the old way from when I was a boy hmm. um, where you have to, the ball has to travel back and you stay where you were. And it's just, it makes for a tighter mall because everyone stays bound. And it's just a, a, a much cleaner way of doing things. I like the the, the penalty after the, at the Hooter where you can kick for a, a, a line out because it just keeps teams more honest. Like if you're at 50 or 55 metres out and you know you've got seconds to go, you can give away a penalty, you know, to to end the game. They got to got to tap or go. You don't care about giving away a penalty because they can tap or go unless they've got some super boot aside. Now they can take their kick for the corner, get it down in the 22, and have a line up and set it from there. So it, it just keeps the defensive team more honest. Yeah. Uh, I did notice the halfbacks were not harassing the eights as much as they were, but I don't know if that makes that much difference, but it makes a bit for getting the ball a bit cleaner away from scrums. The one I didn't notice was uh, the 90 seconds to take a, a shot at goal, which there was no indication that anyone was timing or there was nothing on the refs' mics or anything, so I'm not sure what's happening with that. Right, okay. Yeah, okay. All around uh, good stuff. Okay, guys, well, look, you know, thanks for joining. Thanks, everybody, for listening in or downloading or however you managed to get this into your ear holes. Um, as usual, any thoughts, comments, um, chuck them into the comments uh, on the Facebook or the, the web page or however you get this, or SoundCloud even, um, and uh, us and our producers will go through, pick them up, and chuck them in next week. Uh, so with that, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, uh, Sally, and thanks, Oliver, for joining us tonight and um, we'll speak to you next week cheers buddy see you mate